Welcome to Jersey Justice, a civil law podcast that shares practical tips and stories about personal and workplace injuries. Join two of the brightest New Jersey injury attorneys, Gerald Clark and Mark Morris of Clark Law Firm, as they take you behind the scenes of justice and civil law. But first, a quick disclaimer. The information shared on this podcast is for general information purposes only. Nothing on this site should be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. This information is not intended to create and does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. Welcome back to Jersey Justice, and today we are going to be talking about slip and fall injuries, and we're going to be talking about how you can be more safe and what you need to know about negligence on part of establishments and business owners. And we're going to get into what you really need to understand about slip and fall injuries in New Jersey. And today we are with Stephanie Tolnai because she is going to be talking to us about slip and fall injuries. We want to welcome Stephanie. So Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Stephanie, we're so excited to have you here today. So for our audience, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about yourself. It can be anything. It can be about why you decided to become a lawyer or maybe, you know, what you like to do when you're not working in the field of law and, you know, just any fun fact, anything you'd like to share with the audience. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here today. I have always wanted to be an attorney, even when I was younger. I'm not sure of the exact reason why, but I I always liked the presenting your case, arguing your opinion. I used to do defense for a little bit, you know, 20 years ago, and I didn't enjoy that as much because I didn't feel the one-on-one connection with the client that I definitely feel now. It's almost like a story because I love to read too. And I feel like a case is like a story. It starts in the beginning, how the incident happened, how the crash or the slip and fall or whatever it is, and how it has impacted that person's life. And then the ending is if I'm successful or our attorneys at our firm are successful, which we frequently are and most likely are, then they have a good ending to their story. So the connection that we get with our clients is amazing our firm. I've had many clients after I'm done representing them say I've never had that connection before and that they appreciated it and they get immediate responses. And that's something I feel that I pride myself in and I feel like that it benefits the clients. Things I love to do, I love to travel. I travel with my family. I travel with my two kids who are older and we go everywhere from Europe to Colorado to so that that's one thing I enjoy. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I love that you love to travel. That's so much fun. And yes, that personal connection is so important. And when we're dealing with people, we're dealing with their lives and livelihood. That's really commendable. So thank you for sharing that. So, you know, today, Stephanie, we're, we're talking about slip and fall injuries. I know that you've handled a lot of slip and fall cases at the firm. And first of all, maybe for our audience, you can share with us when it comes to slip and fall, like, you know, what's defined as a slip and fall or slip and trip or, you know, are there any slang terminology words that, that are used in New Jersey as well to describe these type of injuries? Well, I mean, there's numerous examples of slip and fall. You could have, it could be on ice. It could be outside of a big box store that perhaps, you know, where the loading zone is and somebody drops something off the back of the truck. 
It could be some sort of material that, that the person doesn't even know. It could be at a restaurant with spilled something. It could be you're walking on a sidewalk on your way to the bus and there's a differential in the sidewalk or a pot, you know, a pothole in the street and you happen to step on that. So there's many instances of what a slip and fall could be. It's interesting you say that about whether it's a slip and fall or a trip and fall. And there's times where you do need to be very careful of how you phrase it because Sometimes if you say trip and fall, it makes it seems like it was the customer or the client's fault for tripping on something when in fact it was, you know, something was left out in the walkway or something was left out in the area. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Thank you so much for sharing that because I'm just getting this vision of someone at a grocery store and there could be a box or something sticking out of the aisle and they don't see that and they trip over it and they fall. I mean, obviously, that's not really their fault because they didn't see it and there were no safety cones like preventing that. So thank you for sharing that. So, Jerry, I want to get your perspective on this. When it comes to slip and fall injuries in New Jersey, what's one of the most important things that the public needs to know about slip and fall injuries, specifically in the state of New Jersey? Well, the first thing I would say, you know, you say, oh, slip and fall injuries. The first thing that comes to mind to me is like ambulance chasing lawyer and, oh, he slipped on a banana peel and let's sue someone. So I actually don't like to refer to them as slip and fall injuries just because there's like a bad connotation about that. I like to refer to them more as like fall down injuries, that kind of thing. So the big picture, like kind of the big picture about that is that there are all kinds of building codes and construction codes. In essence, they are basic safety rules that are designed to keep everyone safe. So if you walk upstairs, like the height of the stairs has to be the same. You can't have one stair riser being, you know, a certain amount of inches and then the next double and then the platform the step that you step on has to be a certain width and it has to be uniform and there has to be handrails and all that thing. And the handrails have to go to a certain way that's natural with the way you walk so that where you would naturally put your hand down, you wouldn't miss the stair rail and fall. So there's all kinds of building codes and basic safety rules that are in place to prevent disaster happening to people. I've had fall down cases where there's like skull fractures, a person's gone blind. We've have, we have had many fall down cases where there are serious broken bones, which required surgery and rods and screws put in. And in almost every case that I've had in that regard, there was a decision made by like a property owner or a business to just disregard basic safety rules, whether it is a stairwell that is not up to code or a restaurant or a big chain supermarket where there's a spilled something on the floor, which is a hazard. And it's funny because like when you're younger, you know, oh, you fall down, it's no big deal. You look at the NFL, the guys are jumping and falling all over the place, but those are young, young people. But when you get older, a simple fall down can wreck the rest of your life. We've seen it many, many times. And again, it's ordinarily because there's a basic set of safety rules that have been ignored. And often we find they're ignored because a business may want to like maximize profits and not spend the money or the effort that it takes to clean up a mess or to make an area safe. You know, for example, like you said, something sticking in an aisle. And it's funny because 
like I've been to other countries where either they don't have building codes or where they don't have like a personal injury system. Like, for example, I've been to Mexico and it's very, very hard to bring a personal injury case in Mexico, as I understand it. I mean, I don't practice in Mexico. I don't know for sure. But from speaking with attorneys in Mexico and everything, they don't they don't really enforce building codes in many in many instances. So when you walk in another country, you're used to walking in the United States and you're you're used to just the stairs being even and the handrail being where it should be. And, you know, they're not being big craters in the sidewalk. So when you go to another country, you got to be very careful because they don't have these building codes and they don't have injury law where if you get hurt, you can actually go to an attorney on a contingency basis where you can bring a case and, and don't have to pay an attorney fee unless, unless there's a recovery. So I think the biggest thing for kind of the public to know about fall down cases is that there's basic set of safety rules that have to be followed. And if they're not followed, disaster can happen. And if that happens, you go to a law firm or an attorney that's experienced in that can help you out, you know, because we've had people that can't feed their families. They can't work because they, they get hurt falling down, spinal injuries and the like. Yeah. I mean, a lot of those injuries can be quite serious and it can take, you know, months and months of recovering and physical therapy and a lot of things are involved. So thank you for sharing that. I want to go back over to Stephanie and Stephanie I wanted to know from you, can you think of a case that you've handled at the firm that had to do with a slip and fall? Maybe give us a little bit of details and background history of why the person fell, what caused the fall, what their injuries were and, and how the, that case was handled. Sure. I had a recent case and it involved a woman. She was probably in her seventies and it kind of goes along with Jerry's point of you know, when you're younger and you fracture something, you can recover a lot easier. But when these a lot of our older clients suffer an injury, it, it's hard for them. And then what happens is in this situation, the woman was going with her family to a restaurant to have something to eat. And it was dark. It was in November, end of November. And the facility had a big Christmas tree out in front of the door. And it wasn't lit. And they decided, and this is ignoring the, a basic safety rule, they decided the restaurant, as well as the Christmas tree company that put the tree up, to remove a paver from the walkway. And they thought that it would be a good idea to stake the missing paver with a wire to cross it across the walkway and attach it to the tree. So my client comes walking up. It's dark. The tree's not lit. It was dark outside the restaurant, too. And her foot not only gets stuck in the missing paver, but then she trips over the wire. So in that case, she had a broken femur, which is right above her kneecap. And she had to have surgery. And actually then, maybe about five, six months later, she had to have surgery to have the hardware removed because she had some plates and screws in there. And they were really bothering her when she was trying to do her PT. So then she had another surgery. She had to have that all removed. So that was a situation where, you know, got an expert report to say that clearly that both the restaurant and the Christmas tree company violated basic safety rules. And then, you know, we were able to get very good recovery for her. I think I kind of remember that case. And what was the wire like? Could you see it? I mean, it almost sounds like a trip wire and like, you know, like almost like a trip wire. Like, what was that wire like? Do you remember? That's exactly what it was like. It was, it was, it was gray. So, and it was a hard, stiff wire. 
And the problem was that they they staked it from the missing paver all the way across the wall. Not a huge across the walkway, but a good distance where, and she couldn't see it. So that's why she tripped right over it. They didn't put any flags or anything hanging down on the wire? No, there were no flags. And what's interesting is after the incident, after she was tripped on it and was severely injured, then they decided to put the stations, you know, like you see at a movie theater with the that around it. Then they decided to put that around it. So then the patrons, no, no one else would be hurt. But that was a little too late for this particular, you know, individual who did get injured. So that's clearly they were negligent. Do you know if they put that up to protect other people? Did they do it right after she fell or after our law firm got involved and sent a letter? No, they did it after she fell. They did it after she fell. And actually, there were emails between the restaurant and the and the Christmas tree company the next morning. And the restaurant said, hey. Why did you put the Christmas tree up like this? It's a danger to our patrons. And, you know, you never did it like this before. So one would think that, oh, it's just the Christmas tree company that is on the hook because they didn't do the correct implementation of, of the tree. But the thing with that is it's the restaurant that hired the Christmas tree company. So that restaurant has a duty of care to its business invitees, which is what it somebody that's coming to the restaurant is called. They have a duty of care to them. So they both violated their safety rules. Wow. I mean, of course, but that's why we have, we need lawyers because things like that happen all the time. So when it comes to slip and fall injuries and you're thinking about everywhere, like establishments, like in New Jersey, I mean, people are just going out, you know, for a nice meal, they're going to a restaurant they're going to a concert or a show. They're going to all these different places and venues. They may not even be aware of the dangers. The sidewalk might not be even at these places. There might be, you know, objects that are on the floor that were not noticed and, and cleaned up. There might be spilled beverages that make the floor slippery, right? So can we talk a little bit about the responsibility of these establishments to make sure that they have an environment that is safe for the patrons that, you know, frequent these establishments. I can respond to something. And, and, and it was one of the things that I wanted to point out earlier that sometimes I think somebody that isn't familiar with the law may think, well, I fell in, I'm not going to say a store, but you know, the big stores, the stores that we go to, I fell, something was on the floor. That store is automatically responsible. But the, the way the law is, the defendants have to have notice and knowledge of that condition, meaning notice and knowledge that there was a lemonade in the middle of the, the store that you were shopping in to get your, your tissues. Now, there's sometimes where you can get around that notice and knowledge, which one of the situations is if the defendant, the store or the business owner created that condition. So for instance, you had given an example before if there was a box in the aisle. So if the store actually put a box in the, the store employees actually put a box in the aisle or the store employees were packing something up and they left it all in the middle of the floor, then we wouldn't have to prove notice and knowledge because that defendant created that condition. And it's the same thing with what's called like a mode of operation. So if you have a, you know, the self-serve big box stores where you're loading all your stuff up in the front. Or you have some of the grocery stores where, you know, it, perhaps it's not in the bag at that point and they're bagging it. And so something happens there 
then you all, then you don't have to show that the defendant had notice and knowledge of that condition. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing about notice and knowledge. So I think that's a concept that our audience needs to know about. So Jerry, what else does the audience need to know about slip and fall injuries? And and maybe you can talk a little bit about like the investigation process. So if someone does come to our firm, what are some of the steps involved in really, you know, investigating their injury and proving that there was negligence? Because that's a whole process that we have to take them through. Yeah, I think if someone comes to us for, say, a fall down injury, uh, let's say it's at a restaurant. And to answer your question very simply, the idea is that because these businesses are inviting people to the business to make money, that they have a duty to make the place safe for people. You can't invite people into a trap. So if someone comes to us and, and they have fallen, every case is different and the steps that are taken in each case is different. But generally speaking, we're going to try to contact the establishment as soon as possible and see if there's any surveillance videos of the incident. That's always really important. Today, many places are covered by surveillance videos, so we'll try to get that. A lot of times we'll get pictures. We'll try to get pictures. We'll go to the scene and do like an inspection or investigation. Sometimes we'll go there with an engineer. So like if someone fell down steps, we don't necessarily know if there's anything wrong with the steps until we have an engineer look at it or get some good pictures of the situation. So, so that's it. So <laughs> Stephanie told about a case. So I, I got to do a little bit of a, a war story. We call them war stories sometimes like, oh, this is what happened, you know? So we had a case and I'll just share a little video here. And so this nice woman was walking out of a restaurant and this video is about 30 seconds long and she's there with her friend and this restaurant did serve alcohol and no, she was not under the influence of alcohol walking out of there. And she goes to step and falls down. So it's always hard looking at that video because it's like kind of traumatic. So, so when you go here and look, it's like, it's like what happened? So we did investigation. We went there and we got a picture of the steps and it was really wacky. And Dimple, I have a question for you. You see this picture? All right. Now, where do you think the top platform ends and the first step starts? Can you tell? I'm going to be honest with you. It's really hard to tell. It almost looks like an optical illusion in my opinion. All right. That's funny you say that. So when we looked at this, it looks like the first yellow strip here is on the platform at the top platform. Do you see that? Do you, you see the first yellow strip here? Oh, wow. You know what? You're right. It does. That's exactly what it looks like. Doesn't it look like it's on the top of the platform? That's very so, deceptive. Yes. And that's exactly what happened here. So as she's walking out, it looks like this now where that yellow strip is, there's actually a, it's a step down. But from what you called it an optical illusion, which is what our expert called it in the case, it looks like she's still walking on the same step. And that's why she misstepped and fell. So that's one of the most common causes of falling is when you miss a step because you don't see the step. And in this video, clearly it's very difficult to see 
the step because where the yellow line is, I mean, it's like deceptive. You know, imagine if it was an older person who had a bit of cataracts, that would be even worse. Yeah. So you could see she's going to step. And if I don't know how much you can see it there, but you can see the edge of this top of the platform and her heel is like right in the middle of it. She's thinking she's still on the top platform and goes down. So, so if we look at a close up picture of that and you can see it, look at this one. Yeah. Okay. So we had an expert look at that to give you an idea of what these cases are like. And lo and behold, there's a building code that addresses this exactly. And these yellow stripes on the steps are called treatment. They're called step treatments. And if you decide to treat the first of all, you have to put treatment on it, meaning you have to put the yellow strip because this wood all looks the same. So you have to have a treatment to differentiate it. But when you do the treatment, the building code requires the treatment also to be on the top step for this very thing that happened here. So we investigated the case. We attempted to settle the case pre-suit. They weren't offering any, any reasonable money. We got experts in the case. And then the insurance company. So in all these cases, pretty much all these cases, there's an insurance company behind the restaurant. When you file the case, yes, you name the restaurant, but really it's the insurance company that would hire the lawyers for the restaurant and pay any judgment or settlement to the limits of the insurance policy. So really it's the insurance company that you're fighting with. So then they hire these experts that said, oh, it, you don't need a treatment on the top of the step and it would have made it more dangerous, et cetera, et cetera. And that shouldn't be done. So then in the case, after we got those reports and after they got the report from our expert that did this and laid it out, we went back to the scene and lo and behold, they put a treatment on the top of the step. So they're basically hiring these experts to basically just lie. And it's like, oh, you know, so what happens? So here, there was a bunch of injuries, but one of the more significant injuries was she broke her wrist real bad. You can see the deformity there. And then she had to go to the, to the ER and they put her hand up in the sling and did like a closed reduction. And then what we'll also do from time to time in cases is we'll get medical illustrations. So this is a, this is a medical illustration of the, the actual x-ray, and then it's drawn to show what happened to the bones. And then there's like plates put in and all this kind of thing, you know, and then there was like other injuries. So that's kind of like an example of one of these cases. And I mean, a person like that, they could have broke their neck. It could have been an older woman. I mean, I, this woman had probably $200,000 in medical bills from this. It's not like you do it and then, oh, the insurance company pays the money. No, what they do, because these insurance companies are funded like to billions of dollars and they use that money to just fight and try to wear you down. We took this case, I think we litigated for like four years um, and we brought it all the way to trial. We were in the middle of jury selection and then finally they paid, I forget the exact number. It was like, got the woman like six or $700,000 in settlement, but it wasn't easy. It was like a lot of work. And then they send her to doctors saying that, oh, her injuries aren't bad and she had a good result. She also had some spinal injuries and they say, oh, well, she doesn't have spinal injuries. And even if she does, that's from being a cheerleader in high school or something. And they come up with all these crazy things. So that's what we have to fight. So, so again, you got to be careful out there. If you're, if you know, if you're running a business and stuff, make sure you get your general liability insurance. 
and make sure you're following just basic safety rules. And a lot of these safety rules are just common sense, you know? Jared, like that's such a great example. And I mean, what's coming to my mind is I'm pretty sure that's not the first time that someone has fallen down that staircase. It's just that that's the first time someone's fallen down and injured themselves or injured themselves enough where, you know, they broke their wrist and things like that. But I can guarantee someone's probably fallen down unless it was newly built and that she's one of the first few people. The other thing that comes to mind is when things like this happen, I think clients are not aware. Like they just think like the restaurant's going to say, oh, yeah, I can deal with our insurance agency. And they're not really clear about why it's so important to hire a reputable and knowledgeable personal injury attorney to fight for them because maybe you can shed a little bit of light on what happens when they don't have an attorney to represent them and they're just trying to deal with the insurance company and the restaurant on their own, for example. Yeah, just real quick on that. And then maybe Stephanie can speak to that. But I, I had a quick thing just in what you said. Well, maybe they didn't get hurt or maybe they, the other maybe is, you know, if there was other people that fell is maybe they didn't find a lawyer that knows how to handle these cases. We've had many cases come to us that we have settled for many hundreds of thousands or sometimes millions of dollars where other attorneys either told them you don't have a case or they handled the case for a while. I just settled the case last Friday. It was for a worker who fell off scaffolding on a job and he had built the scaffolding and it didn't work and he had to like kind of go off the scaffolding. We settled this case for $400,000. And that, again, it was after like five years of litigation, but he was so happy. He goes, you know, I went to this other law firm and they told me I had no case and I couldn't handle it. And that wasn't like a real estate law firm or a criminal defense law firm. It was a personal injury law firm. So it's important to actually find a law firm that handles the cases that have a reputation of taking cases to trial, that kind of thing. But Stephanie can probably speak a little bit better about what specifically what, what you had asked about, can someone handle these cases on their own and get justice? So I think the answer to that is somebody could handle it on their own, but they certainly will not get the amount of money and the compensation that they would get if they hired a well-versed personal injury law firm like ours or really any firm that knows what they're doing. Because the thing is, the insurance company will say to them, oh, here's, you know, here's $3,000 or $5,000 to keep them quiet. And to a client that might be like, oh, okay, that's good. But the thing is, when they come to us, then we say, okay, we, we get the video. We see if there were any prior incidents there. And then once we get involved, the insurance company, they kind of sit up and take notice and say, okay, wait, this is a serious case. So I definitely think if you want to get the most for your money and be compensated for a safety violation that the store or the restaurant has committed, then I definitely think you need to come to our law firm or an experienced attorney. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, you know, really, really crucial because without that, they're just going to be misled and they may not know what they don't know, right? It's not their fault for not knowing. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're, you know, putting this podcast out there is to educate New Jersey workers and residents on knowing the difference between the laws and getting the justice that they need because they don't know what they don't know, right? And we're doing this to bring more awareness around 
injuries, whether it's workplace injuries, whether it's construction injuries, whether it's slip and fall injuries, like all of those things. So thank you for sharing that. And then one of my final questions would be like, Jerry, and then maybe if you know you want to chime in after that, Stephanie, as well, that'd be great. But I know like people always want to know this, like, well, how how are settlements calculated? I know there's ten, tons of factors that go into calculating a settlement. But for the people that are always asking these questions, maybe you could shed a little bit more light onto that topic, because I know it's a common question that people have. All right. So I'll equate that to a hamburger or a cheeseburger. How is a cheeseburger priced? Well, if you go to McDonald's, the cheeseburger is going to be priced one way. If you go to Spark Steakhouse in New York City, the cheeseburger is going to be priced a different way. And a lot of that goes into how many cheeseburgers are they making? What kind of meat are they getting? So at the end of the day, you know, law is a business. Law firms, private law firms, personal injury law firms, it is a business. And there's and there's different business models. And some law firms will go for like kind of the fast food law, meaning they'll make a ton of hamburgers and charge $2 for the hamburger or maybe perhaps on one menu, you can get it for a dollar. Whereas a steakhouse is going to charge a lot more because it's a better hamburger. So settlements are calculated on a lot of different things. There's never a guarantee in any of these cases. And we've definitely lost cases. There's no question about that. But we've also won a lot of cases and we've certainly won far more than we have lost. And we like to think that we get really good settlements and we get high settlements in cases because we're not a mill. We don't handle big volumes of cases. And I like to think that we have a reputation for taking cases to verdict and trying them and hiring good experts and putting the resources and the tender, loving care that these cases require, we put into them. And I like to think that because of that, we're making a better hamburger, but we're, we're getting better settlements. So there's a lot that goes into how do you value a case and how do you value a settlement? It's the injury, but it's the attorney and the law firm and how they're working the case up and are they investigating it? Like those medical illustrations that I showed you on that case, I think they cost probably $8,000. Some law firms won't even think to do medical illustrations like that. They'll just say, oh yeah, they broke the wrist and had surgery. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to show it. A lot of it goes into like the age of the person and what permanent life changes they've had and what the medical bills are and what the wages are. But it's easy to say all those things, but it's another thing to go up against a well-funded insurance company or a corporation that's fighting you in court and fighting everything you do, including fighting your ability to make the claim for medical bills, fighting your ability to make a claim for wages or fighting your ability to bring in witnesses to testify as to what the injuries are. So a lot goes into how it's valued. So thanks for asking that. <laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing that. I mean, and then that was a great analogy, by the way. I think people can relate to storytelling and hamburgers and all that stuff. So thank you for sharing that. You know, last thoughts are like, let's let's see if we can leave the audience with some pointers on their day-to-day life and errands that they're running out in New Jersey. Like, what are some tips you can give them on staying safe and being more aware of their surroundings so that they are not ending up in one of these slip and fall or fall down injuries, as you would say. 
I think a few tips that I would have is just one of the things that you said is being more aware of your surroundings. So when you park in the parking lot at the at the mall or one of the big box stores and you get out, think to yourself, okay, am I getting out? And especially if there's ice or there's snowy conditions, don't assume, never assume that it's properly cleared. Never assume that there it was properly salted or that there isn't ice somewhere. So just, I, I would say as to that, take your time, be very mindful of your surroundings. And when you're in a store, the same thing. Be mindful of your surroundings. Don't assume that it, the stores are going to be, the aisles are going to be clean and neat and there's not going to be something that's that's there. But one of the things I wanted to bring up was also don't assume because it's not going to happen that if you do fall, that that store is going to have your best interest at heart. So for instance, if you're too injured, you call somebody and have them come, you know, come out to file an incident report to say, Hey, you, you need to save whatever video you have here. Um, because you can't trust that they will have your interest at heart because they won't. And also say, for instance, you fell outside on a sidewalk at your condominium complex. Okay. You might be thinking, oh gosh, I'm, I'm injured. I got to get, I got to get to the hospital. I got to get, get this figured out. And that's true. But you can also have maybe somebody in your family say, hey, any ring doorbells? We have an issue. One of my cases where there's, she fell outside on her condominium. They didn't properly clear it. There was snow and there was ice. And it was at a time when they, they knew the condominium owners would be out walking their dogs and going to work and it wasn't cleared. And they ended up getting a ring doorbell from somebody, one of their neighbors that showed exactly what happened. So I guess my point is, if this does happen to you, just really try to be proactive. Don't wait. And I know we're not on this, but same thing with an automobile accident. I mean, you or automobile crash, you same thing. We just had one where I got hit by a car. She was walking. She was a pedestrian. And I said to the daughter when she called me, hey, go to, there's a gas station across the road, isn't there? Let's get that video. And they've got the video and it captured everything. You wait too long and then the video will be erased. So I guess that's what I would say to keep your eyes and your ears open. And if something, God forbid, happens, please be your own advocate and see if you can get video and then come to us. Thank you, Stephanie. Those are all great tips and, you know, actionable things that injured parties can start taking or anyone who's with them can also help them do some of those things. So thank you so much. And, and Jerry, what else would you add to that in terms of any safety pointers and tips for all of our New Jersey residents out there? Well, I know that when I watch podcasts, I definitely lose interest after 20 minutes and I know we're over that part. So my advice would be to tune into the next podcast. You're so smooth, aren't you? But I'm also going to tell the audience, if they are listening to the audio version right now, that we're going to link the YouTube video in the show notes. So make sure you check that out to see the video of the case that Jerry shared where the female fell with the poorly marked staircase. I think you'll find it very fascinating to watch. So make sure you guys do that. And this is a wrap. We'll see you guys next time. And there you have it, folks, another episode of Jersey Justice Podcast. If you're loving what you're hearing, it's time to hit that subscribe button on Apple, YouTube, and Spotify podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a review online. Share this podcast with your friends and become their legal hero. 
Dive into more episodes at jerseyjusticepodcast.com or clarklawnj.com and check out our show notes for more information. If you're navigating legal issues and need a guiding light, we're just a phone call away. Call us at 1-877-841-8855. Again, 1-877-841-8855. Until next time, Jersey Justice Warriors, stay empowered and informed.